netcasting from Chicago, Los Angeles, and Sydney. You're listening to this week's FX Podcast from FXGuide.com. This podcast is brought to you by the brand new FX PhD Smoke 2013 Fast Forward Training. Download all 10 smoke classes immediately for $99 to get started in checking out this brand new editing and compositing package. Details at fxphd.com. Thanks for joining us for this FX podcast. I'm John Montgomery. Now, the FX podcast is where we talk one-on-one with top visual effects artists doing cutting-edge work all around the world. We dig deep into the technical side, advance the craft of visual effects, and pay respect to the hardworking people creating amazing work. The podcast is your opportunity to hear directly from the source, from the front lines of visual effects. And be sure to check out our other podcasts at fxguide.com slash podcast. Now this week, we're covering the movie Brave that was just released, and Mike Seymour is going to be speaking with Claudia Chung, who led the simulations team at Pixar for the film. Now, Mike and I were laughing yesterday as we were recording the FX PhDOD and uh, just talking about all the great work that's in the film, uh, from amazing environments to incredible sims. But the, the thing about the sims, though, is it's like sims on sims on sims. You'll hear in, uh, in one of the things they're going to be talking about is a scene where they've got cloth sims, probably they've got hair sims, you've got water sims. I mean, just how do you do all that together and also maintain that creative direction and control that you need in animation? Really a fascinating discussion. But the starting out of point uh, for the conversation is talking about Murata's hair, and I'm sure you've seen her. It's what a head of hair. That's all I can say. So they ran into a lot of stuff and developed a lot of cool techniques uh, regarding that uh, for the film at Pixar. So let's go ahead and uh, join that conversation now. Mike Seymour speaking with Claudia Chung. Careful what you wish for, my mother would say. What's the worst that can happen? If you had the chance to change your fate, would you? So thanks so much for agreeing to talk to us because we do really appreciate it. And congratulations on the film. Oh, thanks, Mike. So uh, there are a lot of issues about the film that we could discuss. I really wanted to focus in on, uh, if we could, the hair uh, as a primary mm-hmm. part of the um, simulation process. Though there is one scene in particular that I thought we could discuss uh, Maybe it's not a trailer scene, but for me, it was one of the most impressive pieces of simulation work, which was the interaction uh, in the uh, the salmon, I guess, fishing scene, because we had ah. both uh, the queen as, as bear, um, uh-huh. and uh, she was wet, so we had wet fur on a large right. bear. Um, we had right. wet red hair, wet cloth, uh, right. water interacting with wet cloth and clumping hair. Um, right. Incredibly impressive. How did you go about approaching the problems of, uh, firstly, the hair simulation, and then we, in a minute mm-hmm. we'll go on to discuss the wet hair. But yeah, so first of all, about um, when it comes to Meredith's hair, I think it was uh, an, almost a three-year process, and the first thing we realized is there's there's two things that um, are are Meredith's hair that we couldn't handle. Uh, with our uh, uh, existing system, and that's the hair-to-hair collisions uh, in a way that would actually allow us to finish simulating the movie in time for the release. Um, and 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 you need hair-to-hair collisions because of the volume of her hair. Right, the every curl has to see the other curl, 
Um, the the other aspect of it that we we didn't have a system for yet was uh, the curls themselves. So the 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 thing about curls is that they're kind of a paradox in the sense that curls are very stiff, right? So um, the springs holding the curls together have to be fairly stiff springs or else the curls themselves would unwind. Um, but the movement of curly hair, the overall movement and the volume of curly hair is actually very soft and bouncy, uh, which means that if we have very stiff springs holding the curls, then the movement of the hair would be really stiff as well. If we loosened it, then the, we found that the curls started unwinding. So we, uh, the new simulator that we rolled out on Brave um, did a couple of things. First, it was completely multi-threaded. Um, it, it did computation before it would send the hair off to the uh, simulator and figure out basically kind of uh, each point on Meredith's hair, who, wh- what other point should I care about? And, and that would, all that kind of cluster of hair would go off to one thread. And, and if, if ever she flipped her hair, there's one sequence when she falls over and hairs on the other side of her face touch each other, then the system could handle it and then bring the threads kind of back together. Um, the, the, so that was the first thing is multi-threading, which is kind of a simple concept, but to actually get it to work, that took some work. And then the second aspect is uh, when it comes to the curls, uh, we created kind of a, uh, the simulator creates kind of a core curve uh, idea that, that runs through the, the curl itself. And that's what allows us to get the, the, a different type of dynamic than the actual stiff curls. So the curls themselves are stiff, but the overall flow along the length of the hair is then soft and, and allowed to stretch and, and, and recoil. And of course, um, yeah. exactly in the same way that would happen in the real world, her hair yeah. is very long and in fact yeah. considerably longer if it was to be yeah. straightened. Mm-hmm. So it's got its own weight that's pulling on those springs. Yeah, and that's something, it's it's funny that you picked up on that, because if you were to pull Meredith's hair out long, right, as you would curly hair, um, it measures about four feet long. And as we were over the, over the course of iterating on her hair and trying to figure out the physics of it, one thing we noticed was that um, um, the idea of weight on curly hair is, it, it kind of defies logic, right? Like, like if you take a curly hair and you weight it and you took a, a straight piece of hair and you weight it, they're, they're exactly the same in weight, like in mass, right? But the, the way they react to gravity is very different. So we were finding that because of gravity, Meredith's hair wanted to unwind off the weight of the hair. Uh, we tried lightening the mass, uh, but then things would get really floaty and almost like underwater, and that wasn't the right look. And uh, one combination of of attributes we finally ended up with was it's not mass that changes because the hair itself is the same mass as you would straight hair. Um, it's almost as if gravity is changing. It's almost as she, as if she's on the moon. <laughs> now, is this because so, the hair itself being curly provides a structural support for itself? Exactly. Yeah, yep, yeah, yep. Yeah. So if you study hair, um, the physical actually, uh, 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 I guess, shape of a hair is 
it, for a curl, it's it's almost like a ribbon, whereas uh, straight hair is more of a cylinder. Um, and the, the makeup of that ribbon, it's almost like when you run a, a scissor through a ribbon and it curls. Yep. It's, it's almost exactly like that. As the follicle grows out, out of the head, the scalp, it becomes this curl, right? And so it's this, this uh, physical property, but in simulation, all we have are points and springs. So to to fake this, we we I, we ended up simulating her 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 hair with lower gravity, which which strange it, it did work because it's not the mass we're changing; it's the gravity only. Now you've mentioned there the physical property of hair in terms of this idea of a ribbon versus a curve, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. at the underlying nature of how Pixar through Renderman works on these things. There's the idea of RI curves and. And mm-hmm. as, we, as we're recording this, uh, Pixar's just been uh, releasing um, press stuff about the new version of uh, RM17. And, and uh, I'm wondering, did you go for more of a round curve, uh, like a cylinder instead of a flat ribbon from a render man kind of processing point of view? Or were you still in on... In terms of how we rent... Yeah. Uh, the, what we're rendering is the same as we have in any other film. We didn't change that process. We did add a, special, a new kind of shading element to to our hair models that, that gave it more kind of depth and complexity. So that means you are still based on presumably mm-hmm. uh, deep shadows as a primary. Yeah. So that process, let me, let me talk about that from, an, uh, from a sort of a, approaching a scene point of view. So we're talking about uh, approaching this water scene, at some point you would have had le- look dev that would have been very, uh, I'm sure look dev took forever, but it would have been a very <laughs> sort of iterative process to get that right. By the time you get to a scene where a character is just walking towards uh, the river or whatever, I imagine you couldn't afford to have every shot hand tweaked and hand everything. Um, so uh-huh. you would have had to have developed a lot of stuff to get it pretty good out of the gate, wouldn't you? Otherwise you just wouldn't have got through the film. Oh yeah, for sure. So um, the water, the water scene aside, uh, the way we we approach our film is always, you know, most bang for the buck. And and in 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 the case of Brave, the most bang for the buck is making sure Meredith's hair is almost out of the box without without an artist having to touch it. And uh, originally, when we we were in the teaser, it was not. It was there's so many hand tweaks and stuff to make it look correct. And by the end of the film, when we 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 look back, 20% of the film was out of the box, and that means like you hit the button on a simulator, and what you can get out of Meredith's hair is Meredith's hair. Um, I think for the majority of kind of the simpler shots, a lot of the things we were doing was simply invising hairs, that kind of errant hairs, and you know things like that that were simple, not really ever having to touch the the dynamics. So the hair is both messy and uh, unpredictable, mm-hmm. and and mm-hmm. and also the. The individual curls are not very homogeneous from a kind of a shape sense. Some curls no, are, not at all. are very different in shape than others, as well as there's a difference in density of hairs that are part of any yep. one curl. So mm-hmm. how did an artist get to sort of set that up? I understand that they would produce initial curves that would then be volumized later as part of the simulation. Is that right? Nah, so, so there's, it was actually that... Um, we created curves as we would any groom model. And what the artist figured out was um, 
she couldn't keep up with the art direction because uh, because it was Meredith Hare. She worked very closely, and this is Lena Petrovich. She worked very clo- closely with the art director. They almost sat side by side, art directing every curl that's on Meredith Hare. And she couldn't keep up fast enough, so she needed a faster way to curl curves, essentially. And she thought about it, and she realized that... Um, uh, how does she do it at home? <laughs> she uses a curling iron. <laughs> so she she essentially implemented a curling iron in, in in the computer. And the funny thing is that the implementation of it is actually kind of trivial. It's actually simple in the sense that you you feed it a you know diameter, you feed it a length, and and the and the computer then generates that curl, right? Um, and then once she has the curl, she can hand tweak the curl and give it more character, if you will, to the individual uh, hairs, that, so that it speaks toward the wildness of Meredith's groom. Um, but the initial like curling, hand doing that, uh, she did write a system to do that. Um, and then the thing you kind of touched upon was that um, one of the challenges of curly hair is that um, there's this, there's this volume. Uh, you can't. You can, we couldn't groom the hair as you see it in the film uh, because if you were to do that, because it's curls, it, they would all the curves would end up tangling, right? They would they would never separate from each other. Uh, you would have no idea if you've if you've if you've groomed a knot in her hair. Um, so what Lena did was she actually groomed in a exploded way in the sense that it's almost as if uh, Merida touched a light socket <laughs> and her hair is kind of sticking all out. And that way, each curl then is kind of standing on its own. Then what Lena would do, what the artist did, was apply the simulator on top of that to give it the relaxed, clean pose. And that's what we would judge uh, and iterate with the director and the art team on. So in terms of those hand-placed curves that were at the mm-hmm. starting point, sort of can you give us right. some stats on like how that ran? Uh, yeah, so we're looking at um, there are fifteen hundred uh, individually sculpted curves uh, that render out to uh, one hundred and eleven thousand curves in Renderman, um, and they would um, I think they simulated about. Uh, t- uh, 20 to 30 seconds of frame. Now, I'm going to come back to this scene of her with the water and the, and sure. the uh, salmon in one uh-huh. second, but I should just, before I move on, say that the other incredibly impressive piece of hair from my point of view, and certainly I imagine would it even be higher in terms of uh, those curves, would be Angus the horse because yeah. you had like multiple different types of hair going on there. Um, I imagine that was even more effort. You're like you're like you're like regurgitating my talk to me. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> no, it's like everything you're touching on is exactly what I love talking about. Um, Angus is definitely the the almost most complicated uh, groom that we had to do on Brave. You're completely right. He had. Um, eight layers, uh, but unlike Merida, where her she has one head of hair, um, Angus had all these different types of fur, right? He had his mane, his tail, his, his fetlocks on his hooves, and they all had to act very differently. So Merida and Angus were our kind of test 
pieces uh, for the new simulator. We knew that if those two characters could, could get through our technology, then anything could. There, um, there was one and, shot where Angus's mm-hmm. tail swings around and hits her in the face <laughs> they're at the bar. Yeah. And I just remember looking at that and thinking, that has to be a simulator's either favorite shot or worst nightmare. It was both. It was totally both. And would you believe that the the hardest part, I think the thing that was most nitpicked on that shot was, yes, it was Angus's tail, but the thing that was actually hard was Meredith dismounting off the horse uh, because of the cloth and stuff that had to to work uh, cleanly. Uh, the tail was hard as well, but w- the unforeseen challenge was Meredith's dress. Okay, well, let's get back to the, the shot that I want to uh, pick on, because for me, uh, this was really impressive, and then it just took a whole extra level of sort of jaw-dropping mm-hmm. once you had them actually in the water, because mm-hmm. we have also the short fur on uh, on her mother as the bear. And, and here mm-hmm. we had this lovely... Uh, sheen that I've seen, um, you know, from looking at a bear at like a zoo. But you guys seem to have really right. captured that at the rendering stage. But was the simulation of the bear's hair that much of a challenge or because of the short hair it was relatively simple? Um, so the hair itself on mum bear isn't as short as uh, one would think. Uh, the, the, her, the fur, say, under her arm and stuff, uh, it measures one foot long. Uh, the okay. bear itself is huge. Uh, I think each uh, hair on her fur is has 20 points defining uh, what the groom is. Um, overall, uh, uh, simulating Mumbera was a lot easier than any of the other characters in the film. In, in that fishing sequence, however, it was a challenge. And the reason being that um, the 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 pairing of the water surface and the hair that had to move was this back and forth careful process between the effects artists and the simulation artists. So because it needed to be, the, the, the movement of the fur had to be driven by the water. So let's just um, walk through that. In that shot, am I right in thinking mm-hmm. you've got somebody doing a fluid sim, someone's got to do a cloth mm-hmm. sim, someone's doing multiple mm-hmm. hair sims, and then you right. have to have a whole extra layer, which is what I'm calling this clumping that happens where you get yep. the wet hair kind of looking like it's matting. And who's right. driving who? So, okay, so the first thing that can can just be there is uh, the way we cheapen the overall budget on this was that the groom and the shading... Okay, so the groom and the shading on the bear itself um, happened before the scene was actually created. Uh, we made the compromise that uh, because it's a bear, the only areas that would stay wet are, are her uh, kind of her overall body, but not kind of the top where the water wouldn't always touch. And uh, so with that, with the with that aspect of it, you get the the groom, the clumping that you talk about and the the sheen, the shine, the specular, those aspects of it that make her look wet. Um, then, uh, once you get into the sequence, you have, then the effects TD comes first. They, they create the water surface, they drive the direction of the water, and then they pass off a surface to the simulation artist who does both the cloth and hair, um, and then he can judge from that how to drive the simulation of the models. Um, there's a couple one-off shots in that sequence where um, he actually also handcrafted clumps of the fur um, in order for the water to run off uh, kind of collected fur clumps. 
Um, so there's that overall clumping that makes her look wet. And then when, when water is running off, when you have water running off, it kind of collects the fur together. And he handed that and sculpted it so it would read well with the, with the effects. And so once he did that, then the effects will go back in and have those droplets coming off the fur. So and, it's, it's definitely a back and forth. And at that point in the film, I thought, well, at least you haven't got Merida wet because she's got clothes <laughs> and stuff. And then she falls in, and I'm thinking, man, somebody just tortured you guys. And what seems to be like a relatively short shot in the film. Yes, it was. She it's comes definitely up wet. a very... A very, very complex shot. For the simulation itself, um, one artist took on that whole sequence. It's kind of his his big achievement, I think. Um, but but uh, with Merida... Uh, so who uh, was that that her, took on that sequence? Uh, uh, Steven Gustafson. Right. He's, he's one of the simulation artists. Yeah, he, he's amazing. Um, Mark Andrews, during the film, would give out nicknames to people, and he called him... Steven had the nickname of Sim Samurai. <laughs> <laughs> Because he was so he was so good and quiet, um, but he, uh, so with Merida, um, she had seven she had several occasions where she had kind of wet in that scene and then damp hair. So we had several settings on her that would create a, a wet look. Which which with that it was also a special groom. Uh, we had to change the shading on that, and then also with wet hair, you no longer have kind of the frizz layer, the scraggle layer. It, um, so all the curls became very tight curls. Um, um, the simulation itself, I think, uh, was higher gravi- gravity and more drag, right? Because I was going to say, because um, once you've got your sort of lower gravity thing working, of course, mm-hmm. wet hair has a heck of a lot more mass. Exactly, yeah. Did you have to adjust so, gravity or just mass to, to pull that off? Um, both, both, right. I think, to pull that off. Because the way it moves as well, um, it, 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 it kind of, wet hair kind of clings, you know? Mm, so, yeah. so we had to make sure we had that effect as well as she would turn. Um, and then the cloth itself was also, um, uh, uh, Stephen also figured out the correct parameters for Meredith's dress when it's under the water surface, right? So you have that buffeting, which was very important. And then once she would pick up her dress as well, you, you, we, he, he figured out a way to make it look heavy and wet. Um, the additional thing that Merida had to make her look wet was this idea of like kind of a environmental shading. So wherever she was touching the water or anywhere near water, um, the shading artist would, could come in and define that like the water surface, right? Here's the water surface. Anything around this water surface is now shaded with a wet shader. Um, and so there was technology there as well. <laughs> Well, what struck me is that if somebody's animating something, uh, I don't know, a hat with a feather, there's going to be secondary motion that's, uh, you know, coming through. And there are things that you can add in simulation, uh, especially with cloth, mm-hmm. that maybe don't radically affect the animation. But mm-hmm. Merida, she, her hair is, is two things. Firstly, it's a huge component to the right. uh, ambient kind of color of, that's spilling yeah. onto her face because it's so red. And then secondly, mm-hmm. I couldn't imagine an animator being able to animate a bald mannequin because it would just so affect framing and gesturing and even mm-hmm. timing. What, what do the animators have to work with uh, separate to the sim team when they're just trying to do right. the posing? So we knew right off the bat with Brave that that would be a huge challenge, especially given our experience on Incredibles with Violet, that 
animation needed to see Meredith's hair and they needed to see her dress as well because you know if you're wearing a dress you act very differently as as well so we we created new technology that would allow animation to actually run sims and uh we 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 deployed a decimated version of both her dress and her hair and we did this for the queen as well that um Animation could then either run the sim, right, a decimated sim, so it was almost 24 frames a second, or they could um, um, pose the hair. So we actually rig the hair as well so that they can create poses for the hair that support the acting. And those poses then would feed into the final simulation in a very soft yet driving way, like kind of a guide, if you will. And And so... When an animator would go into a shot, they would have stand-in hair. That's that's totally normal to most animation. That gave gave them the volume that 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 would be her hair. Um, and then as they went into polishing, then they would run uh, fast sims to make sure they weren't off completely off in terms of what the hair was doing and what the dress was doing. So they had those options um, for the more complicated shots where Merida was actually interacting with her hair or touching her dress or there's wind and things like that. Um, animation and simulation departments were lockstep. So we deployed our artists at the same time animation deployed their animators. And so we created kind of a buddy system. So if any time either the simulation artist needed animation help or vice versa, they had someone they could go to. So I confess that I come from a compositing background, but as a compositor, many times on set, uh, we've done two things. Firstly, we've been uh, incredibly aware that hair just doesn't do what you want it to do. So in real life, you just spend a heap of time with hairspray trying to Mm -hmm. stop flyaways and things doing the wrong thing. And we're talking Mm -hmm. about simulation here. So simulation is theoretically simulating stuff. It's not art directing stuff in a keyframe animation Mm -hmm. sense. How hard was it to get the hair to do what you wanted to do artistically? Because after all, she's Mm -hmm. the hero of the film and you want her to look good. Yeah, so because of all the work we put in ahead of time, in terms of the movement and uh, the flow and the acting of the hair, we were we were most we we're usually okay with. We were actually very happy with what the simulator would give us. The times that it wouldn't do the right thing is when animation came into play, which means. Um, you know, in animation, a character can move in very um, un- inhumane ways. Yeah. <laughs> they can they can go at two times the speed of what's normal. Or like uh, Angus the horse, he would never gallop. Like his gallop was never a real horse's gallop. It could it would be much much faster. And it's at those cases then we would have to kind of control the animation, uh, the simulation to 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 um, support the animation, and and. We had enough like tools at our disposal to help us do this. Um, the other other thing that won us a lot was that Brave is about um, this young woman who is going on this crazy adventure, right? She's wild, her hair is wild, and because of that, um, Mark directed it that way in the sense that if if she turned 
and hair slapped her in her face and then came off. And normally you might cut the scene and have her redo it and, you know, get the hair out of her way. Uh, in this case, because it supports her character, Mark would be completely happy with the fact that it, like, was in her face. Okay, but, <laughs> and but it, another it, it thing would support the story. <laughs> another thing from live action, we never have an actress take a helmet off, take a hat off, <laughs> or pull a hood off and expect the hair right. to look anything like what you want. It's always a cut yeah. right after the hood is been pulled back and from the first well, trailer yeah. you seem to be having her pulling hoods off that I thought oh my god that's right. just mean even for live action yeah yeah it's is a little crazy <laughs> the the, the it, and especially in the scene that you saw in the trailer the the point of that that shot was that Merida looks like Merida right she is stating who she is this, this is, is the um, arrow tournament reveal Exactly, right? So it had to be her hair in its full glory. And so figuring out how to do that was quite the tricky feat. Any, I mean, did you literally have to just hand animate uh, a bunch of controls to try and... Because I mean, it just um, has to look like it isn't suddenly also just popping to perfect. Yeah, I mean, we had controls that would guide the simulation. There's also ways that we can... Uh, blend between sims. In in this case specifically, I, I'm not sure what the artist did, but I suspect that it has something to do with the idea that um, all of our models in the simulation always know what their rest default pose is, and so you can bind the simulation to be more attracted to that pose. Um, that's a good way to get that hair back in place. The byproduct is that you have to do it with a very slight hand because if not, if if you, if you do it very heavy-handed, then it can look very stiff. And um, if you watch that scene, you'll see that the hair is still very soft and, and flowing. So I'm sure it was a balance of all these controls. So you, you said that you changed the uh, collision stuff extensively, mm -hmm. but not, I understand, the, a basic rendering approach. Is that, was that the main technical advance other than, of course, you know, the sort of uh, mm -hmm. project-specific stuff? Yeah, I think in terms of the hair, it was the big change was the simulator, the simulation that we used. Um, there was a advancement in the shading to add more occlusion and shadowing to the hair, but overall, the uh, I, it still curves, it still render man curves and all that stuff. Uh, congratulations again, because I think it's spectacular work, and <laughs> it's actually, I mean, it fought for my attention from other spectacular work in the film, such as The, the Environments, but, uh, mm -hmm. but time and time again... Beautiful. On, yeah, it was great. But time and time again on, on uh, the horse, on, on the bear, and on, of course, the lead characters. And we haven't even dis right. discussed the guys, and they, they were pretty hairy as well. Can I just say, apparently at SIDGRAPH, you're presenting, or your team is presenting some papers, and we'll, yes. we can uh, publish some links to that. So if people are going to SIDGRAPH in LA, they'll be able to hear uh, some of your team oh, talking fantastic. about stuff. Yeah, we have. I think we have a lot of talks in SIGGRAPH, so hopefully people will get jazzed to see, you know, what happened on Brave. Yeah. Well, uh, thank you so much for taking time to talk to us. We really appreciate it. Awesome. Great. Thank you. Before we close out, I just want to take a moment to thank our FX Insider members who help support the site through their contributions. As a thanks for donations made as part of the FX Insider programs, we give access to exclusive additional content, things like member-only articles, additional effects breakdowns, and more. Details are at fxguide.com. Just click the FX Insider tab for more information. In addition to the podcasts you've been listening to, we do two other regular audio podcasts. The first is the VFX Show, which reviews visual effects and current releases, as well as classic films. 
And then we've got the RC podcast that covers the ever-changing landscape of digital cinematography. And if you enjoyed this audio podcast, we'd also recommend our HD video podcast, FX Guide TV. And finally, our sister site, fxphd.com, offers extensive online visual effects, production, and motion graphics training. Well, that's it for this app. For my partners, Mike Seymour and Jeff Huser, thanks for listening. Please let us know if you have any suggestions for stories or future podcasts. You can reach us by clicking the Contact Us link at the top of the homepage. This podcast is copyright FX Guide, LLC. Broadcast or redistribution is prohibited without the expressed written consent of FX Guide.